0: coming up on this week's show i am joined by the duo known as the witty content writers both sylvia and minnie will be joining me on the show to talk all about content briefs and how you can really elevate your content brief game in 2023 and i will be diving into the latest trend watch from our fantastic sponsors over at (laughs) sistrix Welcome to episode 65 of season 2 of the Search with Canda podcast. I am your host for this week, Jack Chambers-Ward. And this week I am joined by the dynamic duo known as the witty content writers. Both Sylvia and Minnie are joining me this week and we're going to dive into content briefs. The big, big topic to tackle and Sylvia and Minnie are full of fantastic advice for both you and me. I learned a few things on this show as well. And uh, yeah, it's a really, really great conversation. I hope you really, really enjoy it. There's five top tips that you really should be doing in your content briefs, as well as a couple of don'ts, essentially. Please don't do this in your content briefs, and please remember to do these things in your content briefs. It's a really, really great conversation. That'll be coming up in just a couple of minutes. Before I get into my conversation with the witty content writers, let's dive in and look at the latest Trend Watch, shall we? The fantastic Nicole Scott has done a brilliant job of looking at some very interesting topics for the March 2023 edition of Trendwatch. And you can, of course, go to sistrix.com slash trends, where you can get the monthly newsletter delivered straight to your inbox every single month. And oh, there's some interesting stuff here. Let's start off with jelly cat shall we something i've never heard of in my entire life but apparently they are pretty pretty big funnily enough this kind of ties into a previous conversation we were having about squish mallows many <laughs> many months ago so much so that i know the Cystrix office now has a squish mallow in person essentially in the in the flesh in the plush in the Cystrix office maybe i don't know steve if you if you're going to do this in the uh, the bon office for Cystrix, maybe they will get a jelly cat as well because They are kind of these little um, little plushy. I'm trying to think how to describe them. Kind of cutesy plushy things where they often have like funny little jokes or little messages written on them. They're kind of like cartoony things. You get avocados and lobsters and and different types of fruit and stuff. They're also super duper cheap and in places like Aldi and things like that. They are very very accessible and very affordable as well. So if you or your kids or any of your relations want to have a new weird quirky toy to play with jellycat is uh, the place to go it seems to be driven very very much so unsurprisingly by tiktok and social media because of course it is a lot of these kind of trends are driven by tiktok and uh, yeah jellycat kind of had a little spike by the looks of it sort of early to mid 2022 but has absolutely skyrocketed over the last month or so throughout March 2023. So definitely worth checking out, and they are definitely on the up if you are interested in getting into the the Jellycat game, as it were. Next up, I have something I do actually have experience with, which is Phrasal. It's a word game not dissimilar to Wordle, which I'm sure you've heard of since it was the single most Googled phrase last year in the world yeah it's a very interesting kind of thing where you're taking a set of words and trying to create the longest phrase possible so it's not letter by letter it's actually word by word and you're trying to construct phrases and sentences and all that kind of stuff there's a great article from the guardian that Sistrix linked to that kind of gives you a quick little breakdown of what it is i'm i'm okay i'm not great at phrasal I think it, it's fun and I, I tend to use these things like very early on in the morning to kind of wake my brain up. I do, I do a Wordle, I do a couple of the other like image-based ones as well, just to kind of get the, the, the brain organized stuff. Me and my wife will, will play and be a bit competitive with each other and see who can get it quicker and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Phrasel, if you're going to check it out, that is spelled P-H-R-A-Z-E-L. If you want to go and check that out, it is kind of a fun, quirky little word game and the third little tease for trend watch I'll talk about out of the 10 trends by the way you can get delivered straight to your inbox I'm just going to give you a little sneak peek of three of them the third and final one is a pothos plant and speaking of my wife once again she knows a lot about plants she is very much the one who sorts all of our house plants out picks out the right ones making sure they are you know not non-toxic to our cat and all that kind of stuff and Pothos plants are particularly popular at the moment because, from what I understand, I don't think we have one in the house. They are very, very low maintenance, and that is great for the weird weather we've been having recently here in the UK. I know they're very popular in the US as well because you can have it across different parts of the US with very, very different climates. And they also are... Kind of cool looking as well. They've got these really interesting shaped leaves. They've they've got a cool kind of green and yellow kind of combo colour to them that I think is really interesting. And, yeah, they seem to really be shooting up in terms of popularity. Funnily enough, they were also very popular during COVID times, during 2020 and 2021. They had some similar peaks happening there as well. But they are even more popular than ever now in April of 2023 According to the data here from Nicole and the Systrix Data Journalism team. So, yeah, definitely go and check that out. Like I said, Pothos Plants, there's also stuff about HubSpot in there, uh, Wim Hof, GoFundMe, uh, I've already mentioned Frazel, Jellycat, and even one of the other search engines and why that might be particularly popular. Go to slash trends where you can subscribe to the newsletter and you'll get 10 brand new trends delivered to your inbox every single month. Oh, and one last little thing before I get into the main topic of the show and I get to talking with the witty content writers. If you're coming to Brighton SEO this week and you're listening to this on Monday, on Wednesday, that's Wednesday, the 19th of April, 2023, I will be teaming up with the SEO mindset crew of Sarah and Tasman to do a live in-person episode of the podcast talking all about anxiety at conferences. Tickets are free. They are still available. There will be a link in the show notes to go and check that out. So if you're coming to Brighton SEO, or if you're already living in Brighton, you don't have to go to Brighton SEO if you don't want to, and you want to come and see me talk on stage and do a live podcast with some other fantastic podcasters, and some of the Systrix team will be there as well, Like I said, link in the show notes for the Eventbrite. Tickets are free and drinks are included as well, thanks to our fantastic other sponsor that is Captivate. So if you want to come and see a live podcast for free and get some free drinks on Wednesday night in Brighton, please do check out the link in the show notes. Joining me this week is the Dynamic Duo from wittycontentwriters.com Sylvia and Minnie. Welcome to the show, Sylvia and Minnie. How are you both?
1: We're great. Thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's a Friday afternoon. I'm excited to finally get a chance to talk to you both. And we've got an interesting topic I think we're going to dive into and really kind of get our teeth around and, and talk a bit in detail and really get stuck into, which I'm very excited about. It's a thing I deal with a lot in my job, and I'm sure it's something you guys have a lot of experience with. But before we get to actually talking about content briefs and diving into all the detail. Uh, Silvia, I'll come to you first, I guess. What has been your kind of experience building Witty Content Writers with Mini and how did you kind of come to building this business together and, and coming up with such a fantastic name as well, by the oh, way? Oh,
1: thank you. <laughs> um, no, it was something just so crazy. I don't know. Do you have time for this? Because this is a long story, but let me cut it short and see that. <laughs> Um, way back in 2017, I met Minnie. Um, I wanted to learn about writing. And her brother actually introduced me to her. So um, she gave me the basics and told me, okay, go year forth and write. So <laughs> I started doing that um, in the middle of doing um, a regular 8 to 5 job. And then came 2020 and then COVID happened. And all this while she kept on she had kept on telling me, stop doing this 8 to 5 thing. Come right with me. You know, let's do this. I'm like, nah, I will. <laughs> the 8 to 5 job kind of security thing that we all have and, and want to stick to. So, come 2020, we sat down and I was like, yep, I guess this is it because I lost my job. I was working at a church um, as a head of media department. So, yeah, so when that went bust, I was like, okay, this is it. And then we started Witty Content Writers and working with Minnie is amazing. She she knows so much and together we've learned so much. And, yeah, it's just been amazing.
0: <laughs> amazing. Minnie, is, is it a similar kind of story? You sound like you're the bad influence, all the good influence, I suppose, as well. Yes,
1: um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm the badass in this thing. <laughs> I'm not the badass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Minnie, were you a writer before and that was kind of what inspired you to go freelance had you been working the nine-to-five job before and kind of found that freelancing was the right thing for you
1: yes yes actually i was employed um eight-to-five uh job and uh the pay was really bad because i was getting like a hundred dollars mm. a month and um well, wow yeah uh, that was <laughs> that wasn't yeah. enough i couldn't pay my bills everything was wrong so I woke up one day and I decided I want to quit. and I was like, I want to go do, uh, actually I was calling uh, content writing, online writing because I didn't have the the knowledge. I didn't know where to begin. So I resigned and I started the online writing and I did a lot of research. Um, I started on Upwork and became um, operated. Mm. And I built my account, then I, 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 I later felt that I needed to start a business. That was now in 20, 2017. And I was like, um, Sylvia was a good friend that uh, was introduced by my brother. I was like, Sylvia, you know, I've given you several gigs and you write really, 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 really good. Please, can we, <laughs> can we join together and write? She was like, no, you know, I don't, I can't see the security. And that's how we tried her and she built her Upwork and she became uh, top rated. I was like, Sylvia, you, you, you see, you can like, earn a thousand dollars in a week. What is preventing you from doing this? <laughs> she was like, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable. Then COVID now happened. And she was like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. we can do this. know, I don't have uh, a plan B. And that's when we started with content writers. And uh, so far, so good. Uh, it has been amazing. It has been an amazing journey. We've learned so much. There have been ups, downs, and uh, we embrace the journey. We we are loving every storm.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. How did you guys come up with a name as well? I feel like it's a great name for just like a, a small business, but also sort of like an, an improvisational like comedy duo as well. I feel like you you guys make good comedians as well as writers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't know how we came up with it. We just sat down and started googling, and I really don't know how we pinpointed that particular. But
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and trust me, Jack. It's that, catchy.
0: I like it a lot. Before <laughs>
1: that we had another one because we wanted to concentrate on uh, the pet industry, and so we had pets, mm. pet something before awesome we pet parents. Yeah, awesome yeah. pet parents. <laughs> but then now we came along, and it stuck.
0: So yeah, I, I kind of like awesome pet parents as well, to be fair. It's oh. not terrible.
1: Good one. We should be
0: the but, but it is, like you said, it, that, that maybe that's a niche idea, but, and then the witty content writers is the main kind of uh, money driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. the main business. Yep. <laughs> There's always room for more side hustles and oh, more yeah. niches and oh, yeah. other ideas oh, yeah. as well. <laughs> so. Judging by the title, Witty Content Writers, you guys are both content specialists, you are both professional writers. So we're going to be talking about content briefs and essentially, listeners, we're going to dive into how to make a good content brief, how to basically get the most out of it for you, your clients and the people you're going to be working with and everything like that. And I think content briefs are something that so many of us in SEO know a bit about but maybe aren't getting the most out of the opportunity, right? Maybe we use an old template that was made by an old colleague of ours, or mm-hmm. you download a checklist online and you just use that kind of thing as the the basics and that kind of thing. But what I think we're gonna go through today is something that is gonna really kind of elevate you to the next level and give you some 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 five top tips essentially to make sure you're writing the best content briefs you possibly can. And I write a lot of content briefs here at Canda. I have done for, for quite a few years of my previous roles as well. So I am excited to learn from you guys as well and and really get stuck into some content brief discussion. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. So I am very excited. Great. <laughs> so should we start off, Sylvia, or I'll start with you and kind of pass over to you for a little bit of intro. What, on, on a very kind of top level, what would you consider are kind of the essential elements of a content brief?
1: Well, uh, before I get to that, let me just clarify. Um, We are, hmm. SEO content writers, um, strategies, that's what we do. Just so that we don't get into the content and people are like, oh, so they do content briefs. So (laughs) so we are SEO content writers and we are SEO um, strategies. But to dive into your question, um, a great content brief has so many things that you have, but from the top of the list, the major things which are what we want to talk about today are thorough keyword research, um, the word count, target audience, um, visual elements, and uh, links. Those are the things,
0: that, Perfect. the most nice
1: things we want to talk about.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, let's dive into point number one then, shall we? Let's talk about some thorough keyword research because, I, again, I think there's a thing a lot of us in SEO are very guilty of of kind of knowing the basics maybe using a template doing a checklist here and there but really really getting stuck into keyword research is a whole job in and of itself right that is a whole extra task to be done so what makes good keyword research how do we do thorough keyword research to accompany our content briefs
1: Uh, mini do you want to take this one or should i yeah. I'll, I'll 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 also love you. okay Sorry. um <laughs> uh i like to uh to say that keyword research is the um, the foundation of a great seo content that that will become visible on on google so the first step we need to identify the best um the best and uh, the most appropriate uh primary keyword we don't we do not want um i want to uh think um like um i'm i'm doing the content brief so that i can give uh my writers to work on it and produce um, this, uh, piece, this great piece of content. So the first thing is to identify the best and the most appropriate keyword, uh, primary keyword. We do not want them to like guess, do guesswork when they are, um, when they are writing uh, the piece of content. So we need to identify the best primary keyword. That's the first point. Then we need to, um uh, that keyword should match the search intent. Um, mm. uh, What does, um, what is the purpose of your, or of your content. Is it informational? Is it commercial? Is it navigational? So the primary keyword should match the search intent. Then we we need to also to find out the, uh, the best uh, secondary stroke semantic keywords to support the primary keywords. And then we, um, we need to do a Google search uh, uh, using the primary keywords and look at the, what questions people are asking from the uh, people also ask. Uh, section on on the sub uh, and pick the most appropriate questions that will answer the questions that um, your piece of content will talk about. Then we need to head out to quora and Reddit and see what people are talking about in regards to what you you're going to write. We need also to make sure we are answering these questions I'll, doing all these uh, will help you um, in uh, doing um, a perfect
0: keyword research. Yeah, I think that's really, really interesting. Even bringing in things like Quora and Reddit, I think is a really brilliant way of doing it because there's so many resources out there that I think people forget about or ignore. And like you said, people go to Reddit, go to Quora to ask questions about things all the time. And there is a rich resource of of questions that you and your clients can answer are perfectly ready and waiting for you. And from my experience, and I know I was speaking to Mark about this and we've sp- spoken about it on the podcast before, a good like rule of thumb is if you see a Reddit thread or a Quora thread that is ranking for your primary keyword or the particular question you're trying to answer, chances are you can probably outrank that thread because from my experience and from Mark's experience, you can get a proper website if you have a proper website with you or your clients. Google will tend to prefer that if you're you know, doing all of your SEO correctly on the site, obviously, compared to ranking a Reddit thread or a Quora thread. And that's a really, really good way. And I think that brilliant, brilliant way of in- integrating all of that stuff together to bring it, because I think so many people get stuck on just using one tool, right? They'll just use Systrix or SEMrush or Hrefs or whatever it is they're using. And then just get, okay, this is all my data, problem solved. But actually, I think that's some brilliant advice thereof. Go and actually look at the SERPs. Go and actually look at different forums and find information. That is a brilliant, brilliant idea. Do you often find yourself kind of targeting questions specifically from those Reddit threads and Quora threads? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Because um, yes. um, the, uh, the idea of doing a, any piece of content is answering the questions of who the people who will read the content. So the best way to answer them is, is, um, is identifying the questions and answering them. I must add, because we're doing Kanda, I must add, we also need to use <laughs> also who asked Otherwise, Mark will come forward. <laughs> right.
0: thank, thank you. You're keeping Mark happy there. Thank you. I appreciate that, Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> keeping my job secure.
1: <laughs> yeah. What Mini said, go to where the people are. Find out what they want to know about whatever mm. topic you're talking about. Once you do that, half the job is done. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, again, I think a lot of people kind of rely on tools a lot and things like that. Actually, looking at the wow. SERPs and, see, like you said, seeing where the people are. Exactly. What are your customer base looking for and where are they looking for it? Are they using Google? Are they using Bing? Are they using other search engines and, and trying to find stuff? And, yeah, just relying on one source of information, I think, is not not good enough in 2023. To be honest, because so many people are doing so much, such a good job now. There's so much competition. I think this is a brilliant piece of advice to really, really tackle your keyword research and bring it to the next level and make it really, really thorough. Cool. Next up, next point, Sylvia. I'll pass over to you if you like. <laughs> I want to talk about some word count? A very controversial topic in SEO. <laughs> and then.
1: Uh, One thing I'll point out is sometimes somebody tells you, I want a piece of content and I want it to be 2,000. To me, what that says is that you really don't understand what SEO is because (laughs) 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 what they come in, the the number of uh, words you're going to write is not what you want. It's what what does the research tell you? What what does the SAP say? You know, what what are your competitors saying? I mean, how long is their content? You can't just make that kind of decision out of a whim and say, I want 2,000 words. It doesn't work that way. So shh. go in, look at your competitors. Um, use tools, use, use phrase, use um, copy. What's it called, Mini copy. Skip yeah. seo win. seo win. look at those tools. What do they mm-hmm. recommend? What is the suggested word count for that particular piece of content? And then after that, you'll know what you need to write. As, it, as, as you do that kind of research, then you'll know how many words you need to have. Um, because if you just pick a number of words that should be there, there's something you're missing out on. Because when you do the research, it tells you how many um, headings should you have? What exactly should you talk about? What in combination of all the uh, results in this app, from number one to number five, what are they talking about? So what information do you need to add? so that you answer the question that people are um, asking. That's that's what you need to do.
0: Yeah, I think that that is brilliant advice again, because I think I, I've totally been guilty of this as well. Just thinking in a vacuum, you just think about you, your website, your client, and you don't think about the wider industry. And like you said, what competitors do is, are doing and things like that. Maybe the audience just want a quick answer for how much does this thing cost and they want the price or something simple. Sometimes you want a full step-by-step guide. I'm hoping for 1,500, 2,000, 3,000 words. I want every piece of information explained, a really comprehensive article. But those two intents are quite different, right? And if you're present, like you said, if you're just throwing 2,000 words out to an audience that actually only wants 50 and they're actually just looking for a featured snippet or something like that, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to get the clicks. You're not going to be targeting the right people you're you're giving the wrong information and the wrong content to the wrong audience and yeah there's almost like understanding the audience and what they're expecting and from the other side of things what is google and other search engines what are they presenting to the audience what do they think the audience wants to see is another layer to that as well yeah, right
1: yeah yeah and then even the the pe- people also ask section on the subs gives you a lot of uh, information about what people actually really want to hear what questions they have so it's all about the user we always say seo is all about the user it's not what we want <laughs> <all> about-
0: <laughs> definitely speaking of users mini i'll pass it over to you uh-huh. to talk about target audience and our customers so let's let's dive into a bit of user experience and identifying our clear target audience and things like that for point three
1: yeah this is something we we like to we add on um in our um uh, in our um, content brief um we need to understand well uh, the language the vocabulary um that um our target customers are using and here uh here we do the B O C research we go to uh we go out so, uh, on the social media platforms like Reddit Quora F B groups LinkedIn and um we engage uh, our clients um to talk to uh. The sales team, so that you can understand what exactly their customers really want and the language they wa- they use. Because most of the time, even if you write a piece of content and um the person who's reading it, they 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 do not feel the natural flow when in, in interacting with the co- content. Uh, at the end of the day, they won't read that content. They'll pass. Uh, they'll pass reading the content, and they might um miss out on what you're trying to to say. So we go out on a, a, a Facebook groups, um, generally on the social media platforms. We, we understand their language. We understand the, the lingo. We understand the words they use. And then we, we put that on our content for the writer to use so that the, uh, the, reader, uh, the reader can uh, interact uh, with, the con- uh, with, um, with the content in a way that they, they feel very comfortable with.
0: Yeah, I think that's such an important point because, and it's something I, I touched on a couple of times before as well, is the understanding of the audience is one layer of things, but understanding their understanding of what they're looking for. And I've had this with a couple of clients um, here at candor as well, where we're actually targeting people who are working in that industry already, so are more educated, even than me coming from an external you know I'm an SEO I don't work in you know a particular industry say it's a construction industry for example yeah. they know way more about construction and our products are targeted towards construction people so the language you use needs to be targeted to their level of understanding their level of education on the subject yeah. rather than general everyday stuff that I would understand as a as a non person who doesn't work in construction you need to have an understand that that Kind of language like you said, the lingo is the perfect example right many of what what language should people use when they're searching for it you could you you can search for all the kind of like generic keywords you want, but if you don't know what the people in that industry, that particular audience are looking for, if you have a more educated audience in a particular topic, oh, yeah. you could just be almost come off as like patronizing or 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 silly or even stupid to mm-hmm. some people because, yeah, we already know that we're not interested in that. we already know this stuff. Why are you telling us things we already know? You want to be answering, as you said, the questions they're asking, right? That's such an important part of it.
1: If I may add on to that, um, another thing we also do is talk to the sales team.
0: Yes, that's so important. Yeah,
1: because they interact with your customers every single day. They know what they want. They know how they speak. They know everything that you don't. So when you interact with this kind of people, ask them those questions. What do they want? What do they say? How, what is it they really need? How can I put this piece in a way that answers their question? So that helps a lot as well. Most of the time that is overlooked, but that's a very powerful thing to do.
0: Yeah, I think again something like you said people overlook it because we're so digital and online and not really thinking about it. But actually, just if you if you're working internally, lucky you if you're in house and working with people, literally govern. to to the other room and speak to the sales team in the other office or whatever it is, or get on a phone call or a video call and say, hey, I know you deal with the customers on the phone every day, you're answering emails, what are people asking? What are common questions that the customers are asking you guys and see how that translates to, again, put that into a keyword research tool, put that into the SERP straight away and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I have found like you find some really, really interesting topics you would never have thought of. Because again, you lean on the client as the expert, right? You know that they're going to know their products, their services better than we are coming as, as ex- external members of the team. And that's where the experts lie. That's where the expertise that ties really well into double EAT and proving expertise and everything like that. Using that information from the experts on your team is really, really I, I totally agree. I think it's really overlooked by a lot of us in in SEO and, and a really, really powerful tool we could be using a lot more. I think social media is really important as well. You're, you're totally right, Minnie, thinking about, again, what are people searching for on Twitter, LinkedIn, w- which of those platforms is important for your audience? Perfect. So I, I found like different clients perform very differently on social media. One will have you know 10,000 Instagram followers but 3 people on LinkedIn or the other way around 10,000 people on LinkedIn 3 people on Instagram and knowing which platform you should be targeting even coming around to things like you know advertising on social media that's an important part of it as well but having a clear idea of the kind of customer you're targeting for your content where are they which platforms are they using where are they are they on YouTube searching for stuff? Should you be making video content as well as text yeah. content? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you said, be where the people are.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so speaking of video content and other things, let's talk about some visual elements and things we can incorporate and, and recommend in our content briefs. Silvia, I'll come back around to you. Um,
1: I'll start by saying, when I started writing, I would go on Pixabay, pick images and and very beautiful ones and put them on my uh, <laughs> on my piece of content. And I'd be like, wow, this is so cool. Well, I'll start by saying, refrain from using royalty free images.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> do not do it. I know it's easy, but do not do it. So uh, what I'd recommend about the visual elements, um, look at what your competitors have. If you look in the SAPs, And you see that uh, one piece of content ranking on number one has um, a video. It has images and it has a video and it has ratings. Then that gives you an idea of what you should should have. Uh, If the top five people are using images and one has a video, incorporate all those aspects in your one piece of content. So have the images, have the video have uh, a table of contents have whatever it is you you see all the subs make sure you have those and probably add something extra to make yours pop a bit so look at the subs see what the, what you, what your competitors are doing what do they have make sure you incorporate that and add something more that's unique as for the images take images that are original if you're writing about um say kanda um or also asked, go in there. Actually, take, I know, I'm really doing that one. Eh?
0: You are, yeah. You're you're doing my job for me. I appreciate it. We should, we should hire you as a marketing person. Funnily enough,
1: <laughs> go in and take this. I'm so appreciative. I got uh, also asked for free, so I I really must so, it. Go in there, take screenshots, put them in your piece of content. Don't don't use. Um, uh, royalty-free
0: images. That's a big no-no. Yeah, that, those direct screenshots. I was talking to uh, John Iwozor about this, and he was doing. He does a lot of reviews for software and, and tech and things like that mm-hmm. for um, Forbes Advisor, and how important it is to actually show those screenshots and the stage of, you know, if you're reviewing a piece of software, people want to see what works, what doesn't work, what's the interface like, all that kind of stuff. Like Especially if you're thinking like, oh, I've got a problem with this, Login page, or every time I click this thing it doesn 't work, or oh look at look at how this thing animates brilliantly, and this is a really nice transition. This loads really quickly, whatever it is, okay. having your your own original screenshots is uh, again a really powerful tool there, and even simple things if we come around to sort of e commerce and selling things okay. take take photos of your products exactly. <laughs> like you said, don't just go and find like Google like we'll stick with construction don't google like oh concrete mixer into google and then just take Mm -hmm. number one from one of the like (laughs) royalty-free websites like pexels or whatever it is go and take photos get again this is kind of part of talking to your sales team right thinking about who on the team do we have the budget to take photos can a member of the team who has a Passion for photography <laughs> takes right. some photos for us and, wow. and all that kind of stuff. Think about your resources and how you can really maximize all that kind of stuff. And I, you're totally right. That's a thing that a lot of people kind of forget is actually having original image content can be a whole other side of search. Image search is a can be a huge, huge traffic driver for some clients. And I think that's something some of us kind of forget about and ignore, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah, true.
0: And we, and we won't get into talking about AI images because that's a very controversial topic at the moment. <laughs> Everybody's generating AI things at the moment with Mid Journey and Dali and oh, good Lord. Oh, it's a, it's a, a minefield down there at the moment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: Do you have one of those AI images? I see people using them on their profiles on LinkedIn and everywhere. Do you have one of those?
0: Uh, I have done it before yeah I don't use it at the moment but um I cuz we have like the official canda again we have photos of everyone here at canda we had a photographer come in and take photos of oh, us no. so it was... for all for all of my professional stuff I have a professional photo taken of me mm. we- wearing a shirt looking very professional <laughs> 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 But I know, I know a lot of a lot of other people do like you said they use it for I don't think there's that much harm in using it for social media yeah, uh, this is a whole other topic yeah, but, yeah. but just just for fun and profile pictures and stuff I don't mind so let's get to point number five perhaps my favorite thing when it comes to talking about content internal links and external links this is something any client who's listening to this I know a few of my clients do listen to the podcast they will know this is the thing I talk about (laughs) on every call every conversation my passion for links and anchor text and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. uh Mini, how can we go about finding really good internal linking best practices and even external links as well and, and factor those into our, into our content briefs?
1: Um, uh, links are very important when it comes to SEO. Uh, um, I'll start uh, with um, saying that um, we should uh, choose links that are relevant to the piece of content that you're writing. Don't just choose links because you want to, <laughs> to put uh, links into your content it is important you choose links that are very uh, relevant to your piece of content I, I want to say if you are writing um a piece of, piece of content about let's say cows uh there's no way you you would want to link uh to a piece of content that is talking about uh building maybe yeah uh, such kind of a uh, or, 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 of a thing. so uh when you're linking we also need to choose um a good anchor test. Anchor text. Uh, don't choose an anchor text that is generic. Don't choose uh, an anchor text that is not talking about what your piece of content is. It's not. Uh, it's, it's not talking about. Like, do not choose a, uh, an anchor anchor text like "click here." Um, um, those kind of generic. Find more, yeah. Thank you. Read, so, yeah. read
0: more is a really common one I see a lot as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, you need to choose an anchor text that is descriptive. And when,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. When it comes to external links, uh, this is where uh, most of uh, most people go wrong. Avoid choosing anchor text from Wikipedia. Avoid choosing anchor text that will not transfer any value to your website. Do not choose anchor text uh, from law. Uh, from websites with low PA uh, and uh, low DA, you need to choose anchor text that um, will add value to your website.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's such a, like you said, something people kind of misunderstand or get wrong a lot with external links. And it's it ties so heavily into what Google has been updating recently with Uh, the double EAT stuff and bringing in expertise, authoritativeness, experience, and trust all together, linking to trustworthy sources is a way of proving you are trustworthy. You are not, because I think a lot of clients I've spoken to in the past and they get into the kind of like, oh, we can't possibly link to another website. Everyone will leave our website and go to that website. And like, like you said, if you link to uh, a government source or an or a university source or a research paper or something, okay. everybody will go off and and read that thing instead. It's like, no, yeah. you're proving you have done your research. You're proving <laughs> you are a trustworthy source of information. Exactly. You're not just making making everything up and just you know not having any references, especially if you're talking about a complicated subject or a complex subject. Having references to relevant topics from external sources can be a way of actually proving trust to the reader and to search engines as well. And I think that's something a lot of people kind of underestimate and, and misunderstand in many ways.
1: True. Yeah. And it's so sad that most people um uh think that Wikipedia is a great source, but it isn't <laughs> not, but it isn't because anybody can change their content on uh wikipedia so it's yeah. highly recommended that we refrain from using any false from wikipedia
0: yeah wikipedia is an interesting one isn't it it's a it, it feels like it's such a hub of information but so much of it can be wrong so much of it is mm-hmm. never fact checked there's never any citations or anything like that so, yeah, Wikipedia, you need, you need to sort your external links out. How about that?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they need to get better sources at Wikipedia as well. I
1: hope they get to this. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm, I'm sure I'm sure loads of people working at Wikipedia listen to the podcast, promise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the And Really important coming back around to Anchor Text as well. Again, this is something I've talked to a lot about with clients and things like that. When it comes to Anchor Text, We mentioned the obvious examples, right? The click here, the read more, all that kind of stuff. That's not descriptive. But even going the next step further, I had a client the other day, and we did a technical audit on one of their sites, and I found one where they were advertising courses for things, Mm -hmm. and that's what that's what they sell. And it had like, oh, this is a one day course or a two day course, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the anchor text was just two day or one day, and where they didn't say two day and then the subject and then the course and one day the subject and the course and i was like this this might not be picked up by tools because most of the tools like we said will look for read more click here all the obvious kind of examples but this is still not ideal anchor text you can really really optimize it and make sure it's doing the best thing that it can by including more information and including my golden rule is the thing I've, i've spoken to many people about like if you don't know what the page is going to be about mm-hmm. just by the anchor text, the anchor text is not descriptive enough. Exactly. So. It should just by lo- just by looking at it on the page, mm-hmm. you should be able to pretty much guess, like, oh, what am I expecting to see from this page I'm clicking through to? Yeah. External, internal, it doesn't matter. You still need to, and the the same rule applies for search engines as well. As a user, I find that useful, and even for like accessibility reasons as well. That's a huge factor in yeah. in anchor text as well. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah. because as a screen reader is going through and reading text, it will say link to using text mm-hmm. and that can give the users a clear example of what they can expect when they click that link rather than just clicking the link and guessing and then getting frustrated and yeah. coming back around. and Oh no, that wasn't the thing I thought it was. I'm going to have to come back to oh, the yeah. original article and search again or mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I think anchor text is so important. And so again, I think pretty much everything we talked about is underutilized and overlooked (laughs) in (laughs) ways. hopefully people are getting some good advice and some good tips (laughs) thank you so let's finish off shall we with some kind of the opposite some some don'ts rather than some top tips and uh sylvia i'll come back around to you for a for a quick don't for people when they're creating content briefs
1: um well the past don't is don't assume that you're rating this to somebody who even understands what you're talking about. (laughs) Write it like you're writing it down for a two-year-old. Give them very, very precise direction on what they should do. Give them, cover everything, you know, because you never know who's going to be writing your content and how they're going to interpret it. So don't leave any room for guesswork. Tell them exactly what they should do, every single step.
0: Yeah, I think that's hugely important because... You don't know which member of the team for your client or even if you're working in-house necessarily. The, maybe you have a brilliant relationship with a content writer on on their end of things who's gonna take that brief and ha- you've been working together for a year and it's going great. Now they're on holiday. Now they're sick. Exactly. Somebody else has gotta pick somebody else has got to pick that up and write it. And you're perfectly right there, Sylvia. Like how to write it for any, basically anyone in that team who has a familiarity with that business yeah. should be able to pick that up and, and and write it themselves and at least get a clear idea of what it's about and and where to go and what the next steps are and things like that. Because I think we rely too much on, oh, everyone knows SEO best practice. Everyone knows SEO in 2023. That's normal, right? Everybody knows how everything works. Yeah. Don't rely on that. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. The less room you can leave for guesswork, the The more likely you're going to get accurate results from what you expect from that content brief, right? Exactly. The more room you leave for interpretation and guessing and things like that, huh. then maybe you'll write a content brief and you see the final piece and it's completely different to what you expected yeah. because your descriptions weren't clear enough, your expectations weren't set correctly. And I think that's a, a huge, huge factor in that can make a big, big difference. Um. Uh.
1: Just to add on what Sylvia has just said, yeah, I like uh, to narrow it down to um, a specific number of words under uh, each H2 or H3. We do not want uh, writers to write maybe um, 3, 300 words, 500 words that are relevant. We mm. want to give like a cup, uh, the number of words that uh, should be included under, uh, uh, under every subheading. Uh, and another thing, um, uh, the briefs, the content briefs should be given um, for, uh, should be given in a in a very viable channel. Uh, I remember back then we had a client with Sylvia,
0: which <laughs> was about-
1: a brief on uh, messenger. The um, and the instructions were all over. They were all over. I mean, we could we couldn't even follow a, follow whatever the client wanted. So we wrote <laughs> the piece of content, and he was like, "No, I don't want this," and that's how we ended things. So
0: wow.
1: my the, piece of advice. Sh- <laughs> the content briefs should be uh, compiled in a document, well written, for the writer to like for follow every step to avoid any confusions, any conflict. Yeah, so that everything can run smoothly. Especially the instructions. They should be Especially, Especially the instructions. Mm. No Facebook no Definitely. Facebook messages for instructions do not accept that <laughs> or WhatsApp if there's
0: one thing you learn <laughs> listeners from this episode yeah. don't use Facebook Messenger for content briefs <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or WhatsApp or any other Messenger service. exactly <laughs> and let's finish things off shall we with one last little don't tip uh, Sylvia I'll come to you for this little, last little one
1: something um, sometimes we forget and I mean Human is to error. Sometimes it happens. Please remember to always give access to whoever you're sending the document to. If it's a Google document, which is our favorite go-to, please remember to give access. Don't wait for the client to ask you, Um, uh, could you please grant me access to this? Remember to grant access.
0: I will hold my hand up right now. This is the one I'm the most guilty of <laughs> by a million times. I, I do this all the time. I'm always like... Forget to put it in the client folder, so everyone has the same access, or <laughs> the sharing permissions on Google Docs, or or they, I've linked to a sheet in there that is not shared, so the main doc is fine, but one of the references or one of the resources is not shareable. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Google. I appreciate the security of Google Docs and and Google Drive, but. I am, I am, I'm sure my colleagues at Kanda can can confirm this. I am very guilty of
1: this. (laughs) So many of us are. I always have to remember because it seeps our minds. Most of us, it does.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Awesome. So, listeners out there, I hope that has been a fantastic little bit of advice and a bit of a guide through content briefs. So, we had number one, thorough keyword research. Number two, Think about your word count. Number two, think about your target audience. Number two. Number three, think about your target audience and your customers. Number four, think about your visual elements. Are you doing the same thing as your competitors? Is it all relevant? And number five, include your links. Use good anchor text, internal and external. I think that is some brilliant content advice from the witty content writers. Thank you so much both for joining me. That was a lot of fun as well as very interesting and educational. (laughs)
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, Jack.
0: (laughs) My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. So where can people follow you on the internet across the various social media things? And before we say anything else, of course, listeners, the links for everything will be in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. So Sylvia and Mini are available across the social media platforms in the links in the show notes. And where is the best place to find you for your website and uh, your, your main kind of social media stuff, guys?
1: I'm on LinkedIn. We are on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as Sylvia Gituto. That's G-I-T-U-T-O. I'm on Twitter and I'm actually just clicking now so that I can see what my handle is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and before I do that, <laughs> as I do that, our website is uh, uh, wittycontentwriters.com. Um, still cannot find my Twitter. Okay. I am at Sylvia Gittuto on Twitter.
0: Oh. Perfect. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you can find me on LinkedIn, um, on Mini um, Morure, um, on Twitter at Mini
0: Amazing. Like I said, listeners, links for all of those things will be in the show notes. So please do click below and you'll find links for everything there. So you can go and follow the Witty Content Writers, follow Sylvia, and follow Mini and keep up to date with fantastic advice they give out across social media and on their website. And if you wanna inquire and hire these fantastic people to write some content briefs for you, go to the website and work with them. <laughs> fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a really, really fun episode. i really, really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so much. <laughs>
0: And that about wraps us up for this week. Thank you once again to Sylvia Romini from the Witty Content Writers for joining me. I thought it was a fantastic, really interesting uh, conversation. I learned a lot, I think. (laughs) I really reaffirmed some of the things I thought I knew, and I learned a few brilliant little tips from them as well about content briefs. Of course, I'll be back next week, but if you are in Brighton coming up later on in this week, Please do come and say hello i will be running around with my usual microphones and interviewing various people and attending talks and partying and all that kind of stuff me and quite a few of the Candalorians will be going and heading down to brighton and uh, showing our faces doing networking all that kind of stuff so come and say hi to me mark or any of the other candelorians you see at brighton seo later on this week i'll be back next week with the brighton seo special because I will be recording a bunch of interviews and snippets and asking questions and things all throughout the conference on Thursday and Friday. So next week's episode will be a little bit different. I don't know if you remember the Halloween special I did last October when I was joined by Stephanie Walter and Miriam Gershier. There will be something like that, essentially, a a similar kind of episode where I'm going to interview some of the superstars of SEO that go to Brighton SEO, and uh, I'll have a particular question for them. (laughs) It's not going to be horror stories this time. That was a bit more Halloween themed. I've gone for something slightly different this time around. But stay tuned for that. Like I said, it will be the Brighton SEO Spectacular coming up next week on the show. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, I will see some of you in Brighton and have a lovely week.